Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, Scott. Hey. How is it going? Good. Good. We got a little listener question. All right. And it's a good one. Okay. It's going to be a challenging one. I like challenges. So let's just get to it. Mm -hmm. So here's the question. Enjoy the show and the insights in it. I haven't heard you address crypto as a part of a portfolio as an inflation hedge asset. I know they are generally more volatile, but Bitcoin is looking pretty good right now with the companies now jumping in and converting cash into Bitcoin in order to avoid long-term potential losses on stagnant cash balances. In the crypto circles, it's generally suggested to have at least 1% of your total assets in a cryptocurrency of some sort for the same reason. Any thoughts on this category of, and he puts in quotes, investing, even though I know it's not a standard investment avenue per se? Thank you. So this this is an interesting one. Yeah. And I think it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger question for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think more people are realizing that there's this thing called cryptocurrency every day. And, and mm-hmm. some people have heard of it. Some people haven't. Some people know a lot about it. Some people don't. And we're not going to try to dissect and give you a super comprehensive overview of what Bitcoin is, how it works, all that. I think there's some really other good podcasts and resources people can uh, find that information on. Definitely. I think our approach would be, how do you think about this from a financial planning perspective, from an investing perspective? I think the main point here is, is especially with the government printing money a lot right now, there's this concern of inflation and is Bitcoin potentially a hedge against things like that? So we can address that side of it and kind of share our thoughts on, on cryptocurrency in general. Mm-hmm. But then just dive into the financial planning applications. Do you have anything else that you want to make sure that we touch upon? Or does that sound like a good general outline? I think it's a good general outline. I think I have some thoughts behind it, but I am by no means anywhere close to being a crypto expert. Um, so it'll be good to chat this one through. Yeah. Well, let's start with our thoughts mm-hmm. because there's there's the sense that, you know, you hear these words, you hear cryptocurrency, you hear cryptography, you hear ledger, you hear decentralized, you hear all these terms that are kind of new and unique to Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies in general. And it can very quickly become very confusing and it sounds good, but at the end of the day, you're like, what, what is this actually? And there's kind of the currency aspect to it. There's kind of an investment aspect to it that people are looking at and everyone has different thoughts towards it. What are your thoughts just towards kind of currencies in general? Not necessarily yep. just Bitcoin, but just currencies as yeah. an investment. Well, and let's just go even bigger picture than that. I have money. I need to do something with it. What should I do? Mm-hmm. Right? I typically think that there are mainly four places where you can put money to work. You can put money to work in stocks. Yep. You can put money to work in bonds. Mm-hmm. You can put money to work in real estate. And you can put money to work in cash or currencies. To me, those are the four main places. Mm-hmm. Right. So three of the four, when we go buy them, they are making some form of a promise back to us that they're going to go produce something Mm -hmm. and give us something back. 
right? So we can, we, you know, we go, if you buy us, if I, if I believe in, in, uh, if I really believe in in your business, your financial planning business, I can go invest in you right away, right? I could give you $10,000 and we look at the value of your company and I get a slice of your equity. And then every quarter moving forward, if you're winning, you're going to give me whatever the percentage is that I bought. I get the profits out of that, right? Right. That's... I'm putting. I'm allowing my money to go work in a capitalistic system. My assumption is you're going to go make money for me. Mm-hmm. Um, go do that. Right. And I do believe in you. So I, let's talk about investing in you later. Um, <laughs> if I if I believe in you, but I maybe don't believe in you as much, or I want more credit protection, I can loan you money mm-hmm. through a bond, right? So I could give you ten thousand dollars, and maybe you promise to give me back a cash flow stream at three percent per year until for five years, and at the end of five years, you're going to give me my ten grand back, mm-hmm. and then I can collateralize that with you. So I can be like, hey, that's really cool, but make sure your e bike's attached to it. I don't know if you have an e bike, but if you don't, you should get one. Um, and and if you don't pay me back, I get your e bike, right? So. So, so that's a, but again, it's, it's designed so that you can go put money to work and go, go make money. And then in real estate, we're going to make money off the cash flow of maybe the rent, but we also make some money off the appreciation, the inflation protection in a sense of, of the value of the real estate. Those are three ways we can make money. If I need it, but if, if I know I need to go spend money in like the next 18 months or less, I'm probably just going to keep my money in cash mm-hmm. and I'll probably just go loan it out to the U S government at whatever low interest rate they're going to give me and call it a day. Mm-hmm. And to me, cash shouldn't, there should, if I'm in my home currency, I shouldn't see a ton of volatility in cash. Right. Because it's cash, right? Like it just, it's, it's what it's worth. There's a piece of paper. So like, that's how I think about the four things I can invest in. When I translate that to Bitcoin um, or crypto as a whole, um, it, to me, it loses, you, it, it's, it can't make money for me. Meaning that like, I can't say, hey, Bitcoin, go make me more Bitcoin, right? Like the way I can say like, hey, I'm buying, um, you know, uh, Google, like Google, go earn more money as a company. So this thing's worth more in the future, mm-hmm. right? So like that's so when I think I do investing, he, the client, the, 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 uh, the writer had it in quotes and I kind of agree. It's kind of in quotes. It's kind of a wild west right now right. to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and from an investment standpoint, it is not that traditional investment that earns any stream of cash flow. Like Bitcoin's not earning income. Right. It's just worth what people are willing to pay for it. Yes. And people are well just based on the price rise recently. You know, it went way up a few years back, it crashed quite a bit and then it's gone up, you know, with, with in fits and spurts since then. Right. Um but there's not that traditional sense of cash flow, but there's people willing to pay for it. And if you have enough people willing to pay for it and can sell it to the next person for a higher level, yep. well, then the value goes up. So you don't have income, but you could have that value increase. Um, we did an episode on is gold a good investment? I think it's episode 35. I was checking before this. Yes. And there's some similar principles to it. Yes. In the same sense that gold is not that traditional investment. Does it go up in value? Absolutely. Can it be a store of value? Can it be a medium of exchange? Can it be a unit of account? It, it can fill all those roles yes. potentially. Um, so there will be some similarities, but we're not going to try to break down, like I said, exactly what Bitcoin is. Scott and I were talking before we went on to say, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts? And and Bitcoin's a little, it's interesting to me just because some very, very smart people are very clearly into Bitcoin. Yeah. It tends to be the Silicon Valley 
type of people. Mm -hmm. um, it's very big up in that area. I don't know if it's fully known everywhere, even around the world, or people that do know it, they know the name, but that's about it. So mm -hmm. I'm not anti-Bitcoin. I'm not all in on Bitcoin. It's still something that I think I'm trying to figure out and explore. Mm -hmm. It's only been around for about 10, 11 years. So it's it's something that's almost brand new when you compare it to other types of investments out there. Yeah. So let's not try to give recommendations for or against it. I think it's it's a big unknown for a lot of people. But from a financial planning perspective, one of the questions was, well, part of the question said, in crypto circles, it's generally suggested to have at least 1% of your total assets in a cryptocurrency of some sort for the same reason. So just yeah. to be an inflation hedge. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see that you're not going to have enough data to know if it's an inflation hedge yet, right? And I think it's going to come back to a lot of the issues that we dealt with with gold. Um, when you think about, because you think about one of the things you could do for an inflation hedge is just simply go invest in stocks. Yep. Right? Yeah. When you look over over the long run at like how well the stocks do relative to the markets and with inflation, that's the reason why we invest in stocks for retirees is because it adds outsized return beyond inflation to help you stay ahead. And it also jumps right back into the capitalistic system, which is the concept that like, we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and try to better our lives and help our clients so that we can live a great life and so can they. Right. Right. And then uh, depending on where you work and what you do out there, you're probably doing the same thing. Right. That's why capitalism works. Um, there are obviously flaws in it um, where we're talking about like printing more money and doing things like that within the system as well. So I, I get the the kind of the reasoning here. I don't I don't think it would be it, it shouldn't hurt you to have it. Well, how, how should I say it? it wouldn't it wouldn't decimate you to have 1% of your assets in Bitcoin. If Bitcoin or or any, well, I think Bitcoin or Ethereum are probably the top two. And then once you get get down there, you really get into the wild west of what what uh, what the cryptocurrencies are. But if you hold those, sure. Um, you know, if it works out really well, that was awesome. Um, if it doesn't, you're not, you're not, you know, hurting yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, and I like your point about the, the best inflation hedge known to anyone has, has been stocks. I think there's these this concept of, oh, inflation's gonna go up. We have to own gold, we have to own commodities, we have to own hard assets. And and those types of assets do tend to perform okay or well when inflation happens, but they can be pretty lousy at other times. Stocks as a whole, like if you look back over the past 90 years or so, I don't know the exact numbers, but you look at the charts, and it's like one dollar that grew up with inflation since that time is now worth like it's now fifteen dollars. It's gone up fifteen times. Right. Or something like that. $1 invested in large companies and $1 invested in small companies. It's grown to like $15,000, $20,000, $25,000 over yeah. time. I think it's like nine and 26. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, I big. I'm exaggerating. But the, the, mm -hmm. the point is stocks are an incredible inflation hedge. Again, go back to your example, Scott. If you say I have a business that you invest in, well, if inflation goes up, I can pass that increased cost of inflation to my consumers in terms of increased value for services, increased price for products. Uh, that's what happens with companies. Right. If if inflation goes up, McDonald's is, is going to start charging more for a double cheeseburger. If inflation goes up, Google can charge more for its services. If inflation goes up, Nike can charge five more percent for a pair of shoes that it makes. That is one of the best inflation hedges of all time. Mm -hmm. Other things like real estate can also be a great inflation hedge. The value of the property can go up. You can charge more on rents. You can charge more on certain things like that. Um, so there are great inflation hedges all around us. They're just not typically seen in that light, even though they're some of the best inflation hedges of all time. Uh, things that aren't good inflation hedges, well, cash. You know, cash, if, if inflation goes up, you are going to be hurting if all of your money is in cash. 
Absolutely. The cost of everything is going to keep going up and up and up. And the value of what you have is going to remain the exact same. So you technically haven't lost any of your principal, but you've lost a tremendous amount of purchasing power over time. Right. Bonds even, terrible inflation hedge. If inflation goes up, your bond, the value of your bond actually goes down. Typically, interest rates are going to go up if inflation is going up. And that can be bad for bonds. So that's not to say cash and bonds don't have their place. They certainly have their place. But for long-term inflation hedge type investing, that that's probably not the place for them. Yes. And I'll point out the other side of that bond equation is right now, 30-year mortgages you can get for basically nothing, which is amazing because 15 years from now, you'll still be paying a really relatively low interest rate, right? So that can actually work to your favor as well. Correct. Um, yeah, I think the key is just is looking at, you know, especially in the, the term of investing and then inflation protection, um, where would be a wise place to go put funds? Right, right. And then circling back to Bitcoin, I agree with you. I think this is going to be so dependent upon the person because we were talking earlier and I said, if I have a, if I had a, say one of my, say, say an older client came to me, they never heard of Bitcoin and they need a portfolio that they're investing in. I, I would not recommend Bitcoin to that person. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what it was. And I invest and they invest in that three years ago, four years ago. And they went on that crazy ride that went on over the next three to four years. Right. That would be totally inappropriate and probably freak them out if they have no idea what Bitcoin is. Right. If you're a Bitcoin enthusiast and if you say, you know what, I'm doing a good job maxing my 401ks or IRAs and my, I'm doing a good job of saving the other places and, and I'm kind of looking for another place to put money, great. Like it could work out really well. I don't think we know that, but we talked a couple episodes back on uh, we invest and we plan based upon, in large part, what's happened historically. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good frame of reference. Mm-hmm. But we can't predict what's going to happen. No. We don't know what's going to happen. And so right now, we that that applies to this as well. Like right now, I think what a lot of Bitcoin enthusiasts are thinking or why they're thinking why they're so hot on Bitcoin is they think that fiat currency just won't be the be all end all forever. Right. And if fiat currency fails, Bitcoin is a great place that's not controlled <clears throat> by any central government, it's not controlled by any central bank. Um, you it's it's kind of that democratized or decentralized asset class or or currency. Could that happen? Yeah. And if that happens, Bitcoin's probably going to do tremendously well. Mm-hmm. What's the probability of that happening? I don't know. <laughs> well, and not only know. that, but it's like what, you know, uh, like even just thinking back on technology for a second, like technologies as they come along, there's usually more than one and then it consolidates to one mm-hmm. typically, right? Mm-hmm. Like like just websites, right? Everything's on like HTML, right? Wasn't that way back in the day. So like, are, are there going to be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cryptocurrencies in the future? Are there just going to be a couple? Like, who knows? Like, yeah. and I, I just don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't, you know, like also thinking back to how do you hedge against inflation? Like, it's I don't think it's mutually exclusive that it's not like either Bitcoin does well or my stocks do well. Mm-hmm. Like, they could both happen. Yeah. Um, it's 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 not necessarily like you have to go all in on one thing because if the other doesn't happen, then you're you're kind of, in a tough spot. Yeah. I mean, my thing still is that the thing that I, it's the same way with commodity investing or gold or anything. When something doesn't earn for you by holding it, I'm always more concerned because it's driven more by supply and demand. 
than anything else, right? So it's just based on what are, what are people willing to buy and tra- trade this for based on what they think it's worth. And there's not really a future cash flow behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's what they think it's worth. Mm-hmm. So to me, that typically leads to more volatility rather than less, right? Because mm-hmm. if I see that I'm going to really, like there's future cash flows coming in for something, well, that makes it a touch more certain, mm-hmm. right? So I would just, I'm just... I'm waiting, waiting this one out a little bit because things that I come to mind for me are like, if it is a good inflation hedge, like how does it actually play out during the next um, period of volatility relative? And does it hold up as an inflation hedge? Mm-hmm. I just don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think about it, like I, I have, I never recommend gold to clients. Like it's not part of what I would come to a client with recommendations. Same. I do have clients that hold gold in their portfolio. Yes. And if, if it's, it's that sense of they feel more secure, even though it's far more volatile and earns less than stocks over time. Mm-hmm. If that gives them the peace of mind of saying, okay, I, I feel more comfortable with my investment portfolio and they can stick with it better. Yes. Then great. It served its purpose. Yep. I kind of think of Bitcoin in the same way. Like if you're doing all the other things and you're doing really well with that and you want to own Bitcoin to say, this just makes me feel more secure. I feel like if these things could potentially happen, I want to at least have something, you know, uh, some money in the game with it, mm-hmm. then great, do it. Um, I, I At this point, I have never recommended it to clients, but I've talked through a lot of clients with it. Yep. And some have decided to go ahead and invest in it. Some have decided against it. Um, but it's one of those things where there's just not that history. There's There are the cases where it could work out. I'm just not sure what the possibility of that is. You know, that fiat, mm-hmm. fiat currency thing. It's, it's a concept of, well, look how much money the government's printing. And, and yeah, like we're printing a ton of money, trillions and trillions of dollars. But the the ten year treasury is still under one percent. Right, we're not seeing mass still inflation have a yet. Tremendous amount of confidence in the dollar, despite that. Yeah. If the government printed a hundred trillion dollars, would that be the case still? Two hundred. Like, there's going to come a there'll be a point a breaking point at some point. Yeah. It's just I don't know where that is, and there still seems to be a tremendous amount of confidence in the U.S. dollar as a global currency, even despite everything that's happened. So. Yeah. You know, the things that I think about when it comes to crypto aren't necessarily like, should I hold it or not hold it? Because I agree with you. Typically, we're not, I'm not actively ha- telling people to go get it. I agree with you there. When people do come with it, though, the things that I start to think about are, where do you hold it? How do you hold it? How do you make sure that your family members know you hold it? Because a lot of people who do own this are tech savvy and are up on what's going on. And, and there's the way that you obviously store it in your digital wallet and like, where do you store it? And how does that all work? And how do you protect it? And how do you make sure that if something were to happen to you, your family would know where it is mm-hmm. and what to do? Because, you know, if you have, if you do amass a good amount of, say, 1% of a, you know, a decent sized net worth is a reasonable amount of money, um, you don't just want it to go, you know, be stuck in a digital locker for the rest of your life or, you know, Make sure that your family has access to it. Right. That it's built into your estate plan, that it's built into everything. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Well, I think, you know, this part of this episode is big. I don't know, as you know, that's what Bitcoin is to a lot of people. You know, there's experts on both sides that that sound very smart and compelling. um, And everyone comes to a different conclusion. The reality is we just don't have enough history and we don't have not just enough history, but we don't know what's going to happen going forward with it to make a definite yes or no guidance with that it comes down to a case-by-case basis yep if you are comfortable with it if you're comfortable that it doesn't do what you think it's going to do and it could potentially get wiped out but you're saying that's fine because the, the other 99 percent of my money is doing what it needs to be then great if if you are if you have trouble with overspending and you're not saving you're not investing and you come to me and say hey i want to get in bitcoin it's, it's probably there's probably a lot of other things you want to be thinking of first before uh, making the decision to invest in bitcoin versus other things so that is my thought 
I think that's your thoughts, Scott. Any other thoughts though? No, I'm just going to, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the next few years. Yeah. We'll look back on this interview and five years and say, wow, we were either really smart or really stupid. Huh. Or I guess we haven't made any. Well, I mean, it basically our, our answer right now is because we, there are so many unknowns treat this like it's a, a, a little tiny bit of a play account in a sense is basically like, and that's what really the 1% of total assets is kind of getting at, right? It's kind of saying like, if you want to go play in the space, go play in it, but don't put so many chips on the table that you could really hurt yourself. And that's really exactly. what you're getting back to because your sentiments are the exact same as mine. Are you already max? Are you already doing everything that you can that we know is designed based on, on what we know of history and evidence and all the planning techniques that we have is designed to help optimize everything for you. Right. And oh, hey, here's this new opportunity. Cool, go take the new opportunity, but don't don't run into it headlong thinking that it's going to be the end all be all. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and one more thought as you're saying that, which I agree with, is we looked at the what's the total market capitalization of Bitcoin as we record, like 250 billion or something. Yeah. I think you had that pulled up. And so if... $241 billion. $241 billion. So yeah. let's let's say that Bitcoin does become the next thing. Like fiat currency goes under. People realize the government spent too much and it blew up fiat currency and Bitcoin becomes a new medium of exchange. Like let's make that assumption. Mm-hmm. The market cap of Bitcoin would go from $241 billion to I don't know how many trillions. Like it would need to be a huge, huge amount. Yeah. These, these are not even close to being like that's smaller than so many companies on the S&P 500. Right. That, yeah. Smaller than Tesla. Uh, it's, it, and it's, it's a good number. But what I'm saying is if if that happens and if Bitcoin gets to the place where it becomes the global currency, even if you just had a relatively small amount in Bitcoin, that would turn into a huge amount. When you look at the types of returns that would have to have to happen to the asset for it to become that global currency. Yeah. So it, it's not something that you would need to put 10 percent, 20 percent, 50 percent of your your investment value into in order to have a piece of that pie. Like a relatively small investment could go a long way in hedging against what could happen. There. Yeah, you know what hit me though is like if that actually were to happen, we would be in such a horrible state. We'd probably have bigger <laughs> like, issues. Yeah, we'd be yeah. in like a mass world war or you something or for for or all fiat something. currencies to fail and, and for us to all be in Bitcoin. Right. But well, hopefully that never happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So those are my thoughts. Um, anything else though? No, but interesting discussion. Interesting discussion. Thank you for the question. And we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.